0: Hello and welcome to the Sheffield Libraries podcast. My name is Alexis, and my guests today are Liz Chapman and Zoe Dixon. Zoe works for Lambeth Libraries. She has served on the book selection panel for the Reading Agency's Summer Reading Challenge and Book Trust Letterbox Club, and been on the judging panel for the Carnegie and Kate Greenaway Book Awards. She is one of the booksellers' rising stars in 2020 and is chair of Youth Libraries Group London. Liz works for Sheffield Libraries, does extensive research on LGBTQ plus literature and library services for children and young people, and was a judge for the Carnegie and Kate Greenaway Medals in 2019 and 2020. So welcome to the podcast Zoe and Liz, it's lovely to have you both with us today. Um, and I'm going to start with, we're going to start with Liz, who's going to tell us a few things about the reason we're doing this podcast.
1: Hello, thank you for joining us everyone. Uh, Until quite recently it was quite difficult to find LGBTQ literature for children and young people, but recently things have improved hugely, particularly in terms of young adult books. Um, There's more and more out there, so today we will just be covering a small selection of our favourites, But if you want more reading ideas, do check out our children's and young people's LGBTQ list challenge. So all the books that we're going to be talking about today are covered in an accompanying blog post on the Sheffield Libraries blog. So you don't need to be frantically scribbling down titles and author names and the list challenge is linked from there as well. All the books are available, or in the case of new titles, very soon will be available to borrow from Sheffield and from Lambeth Libraries, and if you want your own copy, you can also get it from our partner bookshop, Gaze the Word. Uh, They have an online store, but if you can't see the book you want, do just drop them an email. They're wonderful people and they are capable of getting pretty much any book you want as long as it's in print. And lastly, just before we start on the books, if you've read one of the books we talk about and you especially like it or you want to recommend another great book, do join the conversation on Twitter at Chef Libraries and at Lamb Libs. And if there's a book that we don't have in our collections that you would like us to buy, do get in touch and we will do our best to get it for you. Uh, So Zoe, do you want to kick off with the first book? Absolutely.
2: Um, So we're going to start with picture books because one of my favourite picture books, it's um, a U.S. publication, not U.K. Um, It's When Aiden Became a Brother by Carl Lukov, illustrated by Kalani Juanita. Um, I always love a librarian who becomes a writer because Carl is also a librarian as well. Uh, when Aidan Became a Brother is a, you know, it's a beautifully illustrated book that, you know, the illustrations are just stunning. So even before you start reading the words, you're kind of just drawn into the images on, on the page. And it's about a young trans boy called Aidan. Um, so it gives a very quick brief intro into when Aiden was born, they thought he was a girl. And then it kind of goes quickly into the fact that Aidan is going to be an older brother parents are expecting a new sibling and Aidan's a bit worried about that what's he going to do what's it going to change and it's all about um you know um coming to terms with being an older brother it's okay to make mistakes because Aiden thinks that you have to do everything perfectly and that's not what life is about what's really really great is not that it's just trans representation um but also that it's got ethnicity representation the mother and father are an interracial couple and they're both people of colour which is quite unusual rather than having mm. a um, p- person of colour and a white family they're actually both people of colour and that's just beautiful to see and you know it's just a really really lovely experience to read the book my favourite illustration is at the end where it says um, a thousand boy and girl's name and Aidan changes it so it says a thousand baby and baby names because why does it matter whether it's a girl and boy's name and I think that you know it's the the fact that Aiden is a trans boy is not centered for the story, it's not a trans-centric story, he just happens to be a trans boy but also it's great that they explicitly say that Aiden is a trans boy because I think it's really important that they um, say that out um, so people can see those labels and you know feel accepted and represented.
1: That sounds lovely. Um, funnily enough, my first recommendation is also a book that would be very suitable for a child who's expecting a new sibling or has just welcomed one. Um, it's uh, Princess Puffy Bottom and Daryl by Susan Nielsen, illustrated by Olivia Muller, and uh, it's an American publication, and I've not heard it talked about much over here yet. So, it's the story of Princess Puffybottom, a very pampered cat who has a wonderful life, waited on hand and foot by her owners or subjects, as they're called, until one day Daryl arrives, a puppy with disgusting habits like eating his own sick and drinking <laughs> out of the toilet. Um, so, she tries everything to get rid of him, but without success. And finally, they come, become friends. But there is a twist in the book. Um, the last sentence is at least her subjects won't be bringing home any more surprises. But the final spread shows her subjects coming in the door with a new baby. And the thing that I really love about this is it's only really on the last page that we realize that her subjects are a queer female couple and they are also both women of colour as well Mm -hmm. Uh, and until that point we've only seen them partially and there are little hints in terms of how they're dressed perhaps but it's just at the end we realise so again it is obvious but it's not centred the book is actually a funny story about the relationship between the two animals. So I very much enjoyed that one. I love that it's humorous as well because it, it seems like that
0: is something that's lacking in yes. LGBTQ picture books. They often
2: seem quite serious. Absolutely, I think sometimes they can get kind of bogged down in the issues yes, and teaching something and being a bit didactic when what you want is a kids just want to read a fun story. Yeah, absolutely. At, at the same time, and yeah, you know, my next recommendation is Day in June, by Gail E. Pittman, illustrated by Christiana Listen. It's it's a very, very simple picture book about a pride parade, <laughs> only you know, this day in June. Mm-hmm. Lots of pride marches happen in June. Again, it's a US publication on the UK one. And it's a very simple story, rhyming story, vibrant pictures, and it's not until the end of the book where it then teaches you and gives you the information about the terminology used and about the history of pride marches so it kind of is able to have both the fun aspect and the learning aspect, but it's done in a really accessible way for the age range that it's aimed at um what's really great it's just it's really nice to actually see lots of recognizable characters and inclusive you know whether it's like bears or bikers and you know drag queens and all the (laughs) sorts of people you'll see at a pride march but it's just really really fun short story as well which I think no you can't Help, but have a smile on your face when you see all the bright colours when you read it,
0: which is fantastic. I completely agree with that one. I think it's one of the more overtly kind of LGBTQ books on our shelves and it really caught my eye and I loved reading it. The illustrations are fantastic, there's so much detail and it, it's truly representative of yeah. everyone. It's brilliant yeah. from that point of view.
1: My next one is King and King by Linda de Haan, illustrated by Stern Nyland. Um, So this is an older one, and it was one of the very first queer picture books that didn't just focus on life in a gay family. Um, So it's a fairy tale format, um, and it's time for Prince Bertie to get married. But inexplicably, he doesn't like any of the princesses that his mother, the Queen, introduces him to. Until one of the princesses brings her brother along, and it is love at first sight. Again, this is a lovely, bright, cheerful one with collage style illustrations, and you will be able to see it for yourself by joining our lovely children's librarian for an online story time, which will be made available on the Sheffield library's Facebook page from the 17th of February. No,
2: I I really do enjoy that one. It was great. It was so groundbreaking at the time. Absolutely. You know, it's really important that it's still Groundbreaking, it still holds up now, even with the new additions that have come out. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my next suggestion is um, Stella Brings the Family by Miriam B. Schiffer. It's illustrated by Holly Clifton Brown. It's a very sweet story about a girl called Stella who's got two dads, it's Mother's Day. Who is she gonna bring to school because they want the kids to bring their mothers for a day visit? She's got two dads. Um, She's not the only one in the class who has two parents of the same gender. There is another person who is a bit concerned what's going to happen for Father's Day, but that's just alluded to at the end. So that's a bit of humour there. It's It kind of allows, for kids to have a question, it allows um, those questions to get answered about who does what at home. You know, who starts into bed? Who does that? It challenges gender roles because people assume that a lot of the responsibilities is done by mum that's not the case it's not only just good for people who maybe have two dads two mums but also people who have different kinds of families whether they are raised by a grandparent an aunt or a foster parent or one parent you know it's all about different sorts of families and how you are still a family and can still celebrate these days even if they are different I think it's really important to, to acknowledge that so it's it's The illustrations are nice. Um, It's not the strongest illustrations I don't find, um, but I think it's a really important story for the message about
1: families. In terms of middle grade books, so my first recommendation is The Strange World's Travel Agency by L.D. Lipinski. So this is a brilliant magical adventure by a non-binary author, and it's the first in a new series perfect if you're looking for a replacement for Harry Potter. Um, So it's about a girl called Flick who moves to a boring new town um, and discovers a mysterious dusty old shop full of suitcases which turn out to be portals to other magical worlds. Um, So there's casual queer inclusion, it's quite subtle. Um, There is an indication Um, that Jonathan, the owner of the bookshop, is trans and indeed LD has said that that is the case. And there's also a non-binary background character who uses they-them pronouns and that's just included quite naturally, which is really lovely to see that casual queer inclusion in a book that's actually a magical adventure about something entirely different. Um, The second book in the series, The Edge of the Ocean, comes out in April and that, from, from the author's description of it, I think that is even more queer. It it has several more major queer characters, and indeed, they said that uh, they don't think a single character in the book is straight. Um, I'm looking forward to reading that one. <laughs> it's also about queer pirates, which is always good. I, I
2: am really... Um... Enjoying all these new um, middle grade books because I remember at one point there was like absolutely nothing for that age grade yeah. LGBT book. So it's so nice to see, and really nice to see some more UK publications. Um, absolutely. You know, that one is a UK one, but some of the ones I'm about to suggest are UK publications too. The, the Deepest Breath um, by Meg Grehan, I, I read last year, and it's one of my favourite books that I read last year. Uh, it's, it, it's a verse novel which again, very unusual for middle grade age range. They are starting to um, come into middle grade now. And it's about a young girl who doesn't quite understand what her feelings are for her best friend. Um, But with the help of her local library and friendly librarian, (laughs) she discovers why she's getting sweaty palms, And butterflies in her stomachs and that it's a crush and yes you can get crushes on girls and it's fine and it's okay and it's very sweet and it's very lovely and it's very moving and it's all just it's very heartwarming and you'll read this book and it will warm your heart and if it doesn't then you have a heart made of stone is what I think.
1: I love stories with friendly and especially queer friendly librarians. Exactly. So my next suggestion is George by Alex Gino. This one is a US publication um, and it's won loads of awards over there. Uh, It's about Melissa who is a fourth grade, so year five in UK terms, trans girl, but she hasn't shared that part of her identity with anyone yet. So the rest of the world sees her as a boy called George. Um, It's an own voices book. So it's a trans character written by a trans author. And I think that really shows in the way that the story is handled. So the central issue of the book is not her being trans. That's not particularly a problem for her. Her best friend is supportive. Her family is supportive. Um, But the central issue is that her teacher won't let her play the part of Charlotte in the school play because the teacher sees her as a boy. So I think that quite quite cleverly picks up a, on a theme that uh, a lot of people can relate to. And it's the, the same theme as in Mary Hoffman's famous picture book, Amazing Grace, in which Grace isn't allowed to play Peter Pan because she's black. So it's using a very age-appropriate hook to address the theme. Um, so another really good recommendation there, I think.
2: What I think is really important about that one is that you know, she's never misgendered even from the beginning, despite the fact that George is not, people don't know she's trans and she's mm. still, you know, Fiji is seems to be a boy. She's never, the author never misgendered that. She's always she throughout the thing. Mm. That's really important that. My next book is also about a, a trans child as well. Um, the Other Boy by M.G. Hennessy. This is a US title too. Um, but the child is a bit older than Jules. They are about 12, 13. Um, they're already going, they've already have um, hormone blockers and they want him to start the um, actual hormone therapy. And it's not really about coming out as such. In a, it is a little bit because they changed schools and at the new school, no one knows that, you know, he was perceived to be a girl. And so they're really scared that they're going to, someone's going to find out and things will change. And it's having to deal with the fact that actually life is a bit tough and people are going to be quite tough on you. And they do find out and and he does get bullied, but actually his friends and his family and the closest people do rally around him. And they're very supportive. So you've got to take that step to trust those people who are closest to you. They might not all reject you as you think. And it's got a wonderful you know, range of diverse characters. The best friend is um, Asian-American. It's just a really simple, lovely story, which just another great trans representation there.
1: And my last middle grade recommendation is another trans book, but from a different perspective. Um, that's Nothing Ever Happens Here by Sarah Hager Holt. And this one is a UK publication, which is really good to see. I do think it's important to note that it is written by a cis author, so not a trans author, although it has had a lot of input from trans parents and sensitivity readers. It's told from the point of view of theatre-loving Year 8 pupil Isabel and how she and her family deal with the news that her dad is transitioning. So I think this is a really important book that fills a gap in the market, particularly for children who are in that situation. Um, And also I think for raising awareness among other children. Um, But I do think it's important to note as well that it does rather position transness as a problem seen from the point of view of the cis protagonist. Um, So I think it is a book for a particular situation. I don't think it is one to give to your trans or gender questioning child. So for that purpose, I would choose one of the others that has been mentioned. So I think it's simply a matter for adults of matching the right book to the right situation.
2: No, I completely agree agree there. I mean, for what it is, it's well done, but if you are looking for a different kind of story there, our suggestions are probably better for trans kids. So, Me My Dad and the End of the Rain by Benjamin Dean is a newly published book this year. It kind of features one of my favourite tropes, which is kind of found families, blended families, coming together families, which I really, really enjoy that because for me, it's really important to know that, for people to know that family isn't just about blood, it's about the people that you listen to your life and they can be better and stronger and healthier for you than your actual blood families but this is like a really great story about Archie's father comes out as gay and you know the the mum and dad have a bit of a secret he's not sure what's happening and Archie goes on the journey to discover what it means for his dad to be gay how he fits into the life as the son and you know he seeks help at the end of the rainbow which is obviously a pride march (laughs) and meets lots of different characters and it's just a really lovely book and the the sporting cast is very um diverse and it's and it's funny as well as poignant and it's done in a clever way where it's teaching you things but you're not having been hit over the head with what it's being taught it's just a really beautiful really beautiful book so it only came out on the 5th of February <laughs> so no
0: <laughs> it's getting a get lot a read? of
2: a lot of Kind
0: of publicity and comments and social media—it's all over, which is fantastic yeah. to see. And it's made me want to read it desperately. Yeah, so. I mean, it
2: is but a fantastic novel. I mean, it really helps as well that the you know the author is a queer man of colour. Yeah, or, and it's just good to have representation when it, within LGBT, there's even more representation whether it's disabled or mm. colour, your size, you know gender diversity, neurodiversity, you know, these things are all important. It's not just one aspect Completely. of inclusive that you want to represent.
1: Yes, we, we need more recognition of the fact that people don't live single issue lives. Yeah,
2: and when you think about the percentage of neurodiverse people who do identify as LGBTQ as well, it's like there should be more stories which Absolutely. show their stories.
1: Yes, yeah. So my first young adult recommendation is Last Night at the Telegraph Club by Melinda Lowe, which is also one that came out quite recently, uh, towards the end of January. So I have been a huge fan of Melinda Lowe since her first novel Ash came out in 2009. That's a bisexual retelling of Cinderella. Um, and. I feel that over here in the UK she's never quite got the attention she deserves so I'm really hopeful that this is the novel where she's going to break into the big time because it is absolutely brilliant. It's a departure from her previous work which has mainly been fantasy, sci-fi and horror. Um, This one is a realist historical novel about Lily who is a Chinese teenager growing up in 1950s San Francisco. She's always been perceived as a good Chinese girl uh, but then she comes to realise that she's actually a lesbian through her visits to the Telegraph Club. Um, There is some homophobia which is accurate for the period but there is also a beautiful depiction of queer community and love. Her Chinese heritage is important to the story and is woven in really well I think and it, Melinda Lowe has said that it is based on her own family history to a certain extent. She's described this book as her, her attempt to unerase uh, queer Asian American women living during that period of history and I think she succeeds triumphantly. It's a coming out story but it is one that really hasn't been told before. And it would definitely be of interest to adults as well as teenagers, I think, particularly fans of Sarah Waters. So that is one of my top picks.
2: I'm really looking forward to that one because, as you say, Linda Loud, she's been representing so much for years now i has never got the accolades she deserves over here. So. What
0: was that's Ash, Ash release? Because that, that's, that's been around a while, hasn't it, that one?
1: 2009. Kind of one of the
0: earlier yeah. IA authors representing them.
1: And absolutely. particularly for bisexual representation. Yes, absolutely. No, it is, it is really important. I mean,
2: it's just nice to see main characters who you know aren't white. I mean, we're quite. We have been, you know, recommending books where well, not all the characters are white, which is great. And another book that I'm going to recommend is *The Henna Wars* by Adiba Jada. Um, she is a Bangladeshi, um, Irish, Northern Irish-based writer which is fantastic, you know, hijab wearing as well. And you know, her main character reflects this. She's gay, comes out as gay, family, not too happy. Um, she can be who she wants to be, but you know, not as long as it's not that, but she's gonna get on with her life, she's fine. And it's it's essentially a bit of a rom-com, so it uses some rom-com tropes. And it's, you know, the frenemies to lovers trope, which is always a favorite of mine, as who is a not-so-secret rom-com fan. The frenemy love interest, Flavia, is mixed-race Afro-Brazilian. So, you know, both characters are people of colour again, which is fantastic to see. It deals with things such as... touches on racism because, you know, it would be, I think, slightly impossible to have characters stay in Ireland of a certain age where people aren't slightly racist. And also touches on cultural appropriation. Flavia enters a competition at school as well, as niece hat, who was the main character, to do um, henna art and that is seen, that's cultural appropriation, you know, that isn't part of Lavia's cultural heritage, why is she doing that? So that, it talks about that in a really accessible way, as I feel like that conversation's got a bit confused. Mm. in the discourse the popular discourse people aren't quite sure what cultural appropriation actually is and I think this covers it very well it's a rom-com so you're kind of going to guess the ending which is fine because you fall in love with the characters Nisa isn't a perfect character she can be a bit stubborn but she's a teenager as well so that's that's fine <laughs> you, you go along with her you relate with her you, you want her to obviously end up with Flavia and have a kiss at the end and all romantic and hold hands and be girlfriends but I, I won't give the end in a way even if you might guess what it is I like you just it.
0: have <laughs> I love the front cover on this one as well it's gorgeous the illustration of it's the two characters is really powerful
2: it's just so it's nice to see yeah. Two yeah women of color on a front cover <laughs>
1: Uh, My next one is Full Disclosure by Cameron Garrett. This is a great read. It's about a black bisexual teenager, Simone, who is HIV positive. And when she starts seeing a hot boy she likes, she has to think about how she's going to disclose her status to him. So the book obviously deals with some weighty themes, um, but her positive status is never the central issue of the novel although other people's reactions to it do cause issues. And one of the things I really loved about it was how much joy there is in there as well. Uh, In particular, it's very sex positive, um, but with an emphasis on having sex ethically, safely and honestly. Um, So that's really nice to see in a young adult book. And the other thing I loved about it is how much queer community there is in it. So her two best friends are queer Uh, One is bi and the other is lesbian and ace or asexual. Um, And she also has two dads, which again is treated just as a fact, not an issue. Uh, They're not the central theme. They're just there in the background being sometimes annoying as parents are, but generally loving and supportive. Um, So that is a really great read. And apparently the author was only 17 when she wrote the first draft which is absolutely mind-boggling because it's brilliant. Wow. That's amazing.
2: I haven't actually read that one yet. I've seen it and it's on my very, very, very large to-be-read pile, so I might kind of put it to the top from-
1: Yes, do. I think you'll really enjoy it. Yeah, no, that's really great. Um, I'm gonna carry
2: on with my rom-com theme. As I said, I'm a not-so-secret rom-com fan. And so, so I've got a number of rom-coms to recommend. Um, another Irish one, surprisingly, uh, the, the Falling in Love montage by Kira Smith. Um, I literally was laughing out loud of which, um, you know, people kept looking at me strangely because I would just laugh out loud <laughs> um, in the public. In the best right? kind of books that yeah. you laugh
0: or cry on a bus reading. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so it tells a story of um, Searsha, not Saoirse, Searsha, Um who has just broken up with her first girlfriend, first love, first everything. And her heart is so broken that she um, decided that she's not gonna fall in love again. So the best way to do this is follow her rules, which is never to kiss anyone that may be, you know, lesbian or bi or queer anyway, just kiss straight girls because they won't catch feelings. Sadly at a party, there's a bit of a meet cute. um meets a beautiful girl, tries not to catch feelings. This girl is a rom-com fan and they decide between them that they are going to do all the tropes that you find in rom-coms because at the end of the summer they're both going their separate ways. They know it's an ending so they don't want to get too serious about it. So they're going to go to a drive-in film showing, they're gonna go on the ferris wheel at the fun fair, they're gonna have a slow dance, they're gonna do some karaoke, all those cheesy things you see in rom-com films, they're, go- they're gonna do the rom-com mo- montage and I think it's fabulous, and I think it's a really nice idea. <laughs> we all know she's gonna catch actual real feelings <laughs> and this is kind of what happens, you know, she's quite secretive as a person about the feelings and the fact that her her mother has an early onset dementia. Her mother's been put in a care home um, and she's only in her 40s and she feels some guilt about that. She doesn't want to open up or take, make that emotional connection. But ultimately, it's just a funny, funny book. And again, you can probably guess where it's going, but I do <laughs> love the ending. It's not as simple as they get together and they're going to have a long distance relationship. That's not kind of what happens. It's
1: just heartwarming to find funny lesbian books. My next recommendation is Only the Ocean by Natasha Carthew, which is definitely not a rom-com, although it does have a a rom element. Um, I loved it. It's utterly gripping, beautifully written. The author is also a poet and that really shows. Um, So it's set in a future dystopia, which is created really well. It's unusual and different, but it's also very believable, in fact terrifyingly so. And uh, Kel is running away from an abusive family situation. She has an elaborate escape plan that involves uh, kidnapping a rich man's daughter and holding her hostage uh, in exchange for a passage to South America. Needless to say, the plan goes terribly badly wrong and the two girls ended up stranded in a small boat on the ocean, but they do form an unexpected bond. Um, So this one does need some content warnings for abuse and self-harm, but one of the things I absolutely loved about it is it is a book about survival in more than one way. it's about continuing to survive despite what the world might throw at you and taking strength from your own survival um it's a very powerful book and also it's a love story between two girls from different class backgrounds so representation is really important one of the things that's lacking yeah definitely
2: my next recommendation is um post-apocalyptic as well but in a different way in that it's a book featuring zombies (laughs) and a bit of gay romance and zombies it's in Wranglestone by Darren Charlton and uh, it's a supernatural romance thriller and it's great to see a kind of genre piece rather than something which is dramatic or realistic or just set in a contemporary world that we know and recognize. Um, Peter is a teenage boy who is going out, His dad accepts him, people accept him, there's no homophobia in that way. It's the fact that he is not a useful member of the community because it, again, this is about survival, there are zombies. <laughs> um, the, they've got a safe community, but winter is coming and the lake freezes over, which makes it easier for the zombies to cross the lake because they have a hard surface. Uh, Peter is a very trusting, very sensitive, boy and people don't think he's very useful so they kind of thrust him out with Cooper he, another young boy where he has a bit of a crush on a, a big big crush not a bit of a crush on um, and they have to survive together there's a bit of a mystery things aren't as what they seem and so it's a really nice adventure it's a good good fun romp I think which you know it's not going to break any grounds but not every book needs to do that.
1: I'm really keen to read that. I'm, I'm very much here for queer stories in which it's actually about something else, but yes. the queerness is there and is important. Yeah. Straight people always get to have love stories in dystopias, usually love triangles in fact. <laughs> yeah. um, so I think it, it's important that queer people do as well. And that's from Little Tiger as well, isn't it? And their LGBTQ output is always so good.
2: Yeah, it is really, really good. Yeah. And I know that you um, you really liked Proud, didn't you? The anthology, yes. which you're
1: going to recommend. <laughs> yes. Um, well, as you've mentioned it, I'll talk about that next. Um, so I must confess that I only just got around to reading this um, after having it sitting on my to be read pile for ages, um, but then ended up staying up half the night reading it. Um, It's, I I just couldn't stop. It's an anthology of stories, poetry and art on the theme of pride. Um, It's edited by the always fabulous Juno Dawson and all the featured writers and artists are LGBTQ. So, including established voices such as David Levithan and Dean Atta, but also four debut authors whose work was specially commissioned for the anthology. And I just think it is really rare to find an anthology where the standard is so consistently high. There isn't a single story which stands out as being kind of the weak link and there's also a really wide range of LGBTQ identities represented in there, which is also really good to see. My next book I am
2: going to recommend, and I think I've been talking about this book for two years now, and I recommend <laughs> it at every opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, you know, The Black Flamingo by Dean Atta, who you oh, mentioned Oh, I love this, this book. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it's just, I'm always going to adore this. I've read it so much that so <laughs> I feel like, I just know the story inside out, it's ingrained in my brain, it's sort a beautiful verse, novel, dealing with so many issues, but the fact that Michael is gay isn't really an issue, it's his identity in different ways, whether it's his gender expression or his um, dual heritage and where he fits in in the world and it's just Michael is a bit of a flawed character. He's not perfect. He doesn't express himself very well sometimes. He's still learning, but it's a very authentic voice. You know, he is, um, it's from when he was a young teenager to university when he's was 18, 19, and you can hear that. That's how teenagers are. We can't expect our characters to be perfect. Um, and he's very messy and he has messy friendships, he's a friend, he was a bit homophobic, comes out as a lesbian later on and you know that happens, that's quite realistic. I, I love the um, the drag queen aspect and, the, and your gender expression isn't necessarily the same as your gender identity and I think that's really important for me to acknowledge as well and it's just, I could go on by it so I won't say more but we will love it. We're in agreement. Absolutely,
0: 100%. <laughs> I read it, I think, in a day, and I was just absolutely gripped by his story.
1: Agree as well. It's absolutely marvellous. And I love the fact that it's got a really diverse cast, so it doesn't mm. be just one way of being black or queer. Yeah. Or strays.
2: I think it's important as well, that because Michael's father is mostly absent, but it doesn't mean he doesn't have a father figure. He has a father figure in the shape of his uncle, who's really important to me. Mm-hmm. And I think it's quite nice, I avoid that whole stereotype of young yeah. black boys who don't have fathers. Um, yeah. It's a really nice thing as well.
1: Yeah. I will quickly mention A Birthday by Meredith Russo. Um, this is a, a trans book written by a trans author. Um, it focuses on two teenagers, Morgan and Eric, who um, share the same birthday. And the structure is really interesting because it revisits them on their birthday every year from 13 to 18 Um, and it alternates their viewpoints as Morgan comes to terms with the fact that she's trans Um, but Eric is also dealing with issues so it isn't like transness centred as the sole issue of the novel. Um, Eric has family issues centering on, on his abusive father and then gradually the two teenagers realise that they're attracted to one another. Um, There are some very dark points in the book Mm. to be said but it does have a proper feel-good happy ending. Uh,
2: I would just say what I really love about the book is I just love the production of the book because of the rainbow um, splayed edges which are just (laughs) (laughs) beautiful. Yeah, Love a sprayed edge. So that like such a um, superficial
0: yeah. thing like. I'm like it's so pretty. But I think those things are important because they do make those they, they put value in those books, don't they? As well, and show yeah. that, that publishers really care about them. And and you know, once upon a time, that wasn't the case with LGBTQ titles.
2: Absolutely. I love a sprayed edge. <laughs> I love a sprayed edge too. <laughs> Who doesn't love it? <laughs> um, I'm going to go. Um, for my next recommendation is on some, some poetry. Um, so we had a verse novel from Dean. Atta this one's actually a collection of poetry by Rachel Plummer and illustrated by Helen um, which is Wayne it's a retelling of Scottish folklore but was an LGBT reimagining which is so different I don't know any Scottish (laughs) Um, folklore sounds amazing so for me it was just um an education as well as just beautifully done it doesn't it doesn't lose anything from making them diverse in terms of whether it's LGBTIA. I think it really adds to the story and probably adds a depth. And it did um, encourage me to seek out the actual Scottish photos to see what they're about. And I think some of them are stronger than others, but as a collection, I think it's just a really, really great collection of poetry and nice to have an accessible... Um, accessible stories, because they all kind of feel like a whole story. It's like a very warm feeling of Scot- of You kind of feel like you're in a Scottish Highlands when you're reading it. I should have a mug of cocoa and a fire <laughs> and crazy feet. I feel like I should do it. But it's just nice to have um, LGBT characters in folk stories, because it feels like you're left out of those stories and those histories and those traditional mm-hmm. tales. And so just to kind of reimagine what it would be like, whether it's in this way is I think really important. So you kind of feel like you've got a bit of history there, I guess.
1: And the illustrations I just loved, they really contribute to the magical, mystical feeling of the book, I thought.
2: Yeah, absolutely. They're, I mean, they're really important together. But I don't think it would have been a stronger collection without, if there was no illustrations.
1: Well, There's some of my absolute favourites that I'm gutted that we haven't been able to fit in, but they are in the blog post, so do have a look at that as well. Um, But we just wanted to mention a few new or forthcoming titles. Um, So there's two picture books coming out that I'm very excited about, both due out on the 1st of June, Um, The first one is Nen and the Lonely Fisherman by Ian Eagleton, illustrated by James Mayhew. And this is a modern version of a Little Mermaid tale, but with a merman instead, and the illustrations look absolutely beautiful. And the second one, published on the same day, um, is The Pirate Mums by Jodie Lancet Grant, illustrated by Lydia Corrie. I know this is this is. Um, the second queer pirate book we've mentioned and I think that's enough to constitute a new trend (laughs) when queer pirates are everywhere just remember I I spotted it first (laughs) (laughs) so this one is about a little boy who has two mums and he wishes his family could be more like everyone else's but the thing that he's embarrassed about is not the fact that they're two mums but that they're pirates and sing sh- sea shanties all the time and things um so i thought that was a brilliant twist and i'm totally here for this new trend <laughs> um i'm really looking
2: forward to um which i've already read luckily because it was supposed to be published last year but with everything that's happening in 2020 um it's been delayed but lovers for losers by um I'm going to butcher their name, and I'm really sorry, Big um, Baker Brueggemann, um, it's, a, again, it's kind of a rom-com, because I'm a big comedy fan, I love to laugh about a, a young girl who is convinced that love is for losers, it's not for her, she doesn't understand why her friends are going all, you know, moon-eyed over, over boys. <laughs> there might be a reason for that and 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 you'll find out why. Um, Another one that I'm really interested is um, probably the the next um, volume in the Heartbreakers series by Alice Osmond as well, that's a graphic novel um, which I forgot to mention. Um, We didn't mention any graphic novels, there are some great graphic novels out there by the way, um, if if you want some recommendations. You can always message us and we can give you some more recommendations because we have loads we couldn't fit everything into this podcast (laughs) and yeah I'm really looking forward to to that one and it's just a really nice week a boy romance
0: all boys aren't blue I received a copy of this yesterday so I haven't read it yet but it's out on the 4th of March in paperback you can get it in hardback it's been out since last year in hardback um Writer and activist George M. Johnson shares their Amer- memories of growing up black and queer in America. It covers topics such as gender identity, toxic masculinity, inequality, consent and black joy. It's I've, I've read the first chapter, obviously because I only got it yesterday, and so far I, I'm completely gripped. It's kind of a series of essays, so again it's very accessible. Their writing is really it's quite frank I think it will be quite hard read I think covers a lot of really quite difficult times in in their life and quite it's going to be quite a challenging book but I'm loving it so far
2: I've heard very good things about
0: that so yeah I'm glad it's living up (laughs) the first chapter we had a kind of half hour discussion on gender um, definitions and, and all sorts of things just from his introduction so you know it's yeah it's amazing so far Thank you both so much for that very, very whistle stop tour through LGBTQ publication. There are loads and loads and loads more really great quality um, books out there, which, like Liz has already said, will be in the blog post. Um, but thank you both so much for your time today and for sharing your favourites with us.
1: Thank you for having us. Yeah,
2: thank you. I uh, um, enjoyed. Who doesn't love chatting about books?
0: My guests today were Liz Chapman and Zoe Dixon. You have been listening to the Sheffield Libraries podcast, the place to hear authors discuss their work, to explore stories, fact and fiction that we think deserve to be heard. I hope you'll join us again.